Praise God. Welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Pastor Mike here. Why don't we go straight to prayer? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, O oh Lord God, we thank you so much for this time that we're about to have with you, Lord God. I pray, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, that Holy Spirit shall reach out and speak to every single listener that is out there today, O oh Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Prepare them, O oh Lord God, to hear your words and understand your words, O oh Lord God. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Lord, I give this time and this space entirely over to you, Heavenly Father. Take it where you will for your honor and your glory and your praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Again, welcome to Genesis 1. Glad you could join us. And I want to start right out by going to Scripture. So if you don't have your Bible, why don't you hit pause, go and get your Bible, get a marker, a pencil, a piece of paper, piece of paper to take some notes on and write in the margin of your Bible, whatever, because uh, by doing this, you'll be surprised how these um, notes that you take can come back to help you later on when, when you need it the most. Amen. So why don't we start by going to uh, Psalm 27, verse number 14. Psalm 27, verse number 14. Okay. And it just simply says here, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Okay, one more time. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Something I was praying about, and uh, like you, you know, I have prayers pending, so to speak, and many things going on. And I was praying about a particular thing, and I simply heard quite distinctly, wait on me, wait on me, just like that. And I mean, and that was like an explosion of information to me because it just it just reminded me so much of so many things. So I wanted to share with you uh, some of the things that the Lord shared with me, and it's basically is what prompted, prompted this message uh, here today uh, when God said, wait on me, you know. And what does it mean? actually, to wait on the Lord. Okay, what does that actually mean? You can say it, people, you know, wait on God, wait on God, you know, but God said, wait on me. What does that actually mean? All right. In Psalms, Proverbs, and many other books of the Bible, we find commands to wait on the Lord. The idea of waiting on the Lord might seem like a passive exercise where you're just sitting around and doing nothing but waiting. But a closer study, a closer study of the word reveals that waiting is far from being passive. It is far from a passive activity. Patient, confident trust in the Lord is the central idea of the urging to wait on the Lord. The entire Psalm 27 actually is a prayer to God for help. It is beautifully illustrates the meaning of waiting on the Lord. Throughout the Psalm's articulate lines, the writer, David, the writer expresses authentic faith and courageous trust in God based on his confident expectation that the Lord will rescue and save him in his time of trouble. Okay. And that's where we have to get to, you know, in waiting on God, we have to have that confidence that God is indeed going to help us. He's going to be there to bail us out, whatever the situation is, be it good or bad. Okay. If it's a good thing, well, even that's even better still that just wait on the Lord because he shall indeed bring it to pass. So the question is then simply, how do we wait on the Lord? Okay, how do we wait on the Lord? Well, first we see that we can wait on the Lord by trusting in him. David expressed great confidence in the Lord, who was his light, was his salvation, and was his stronghold. And if we now go to the beginning of Psalm 27 and start with verse number one, 
Let's start with verse number one and kind of just want to read through 27 and, and kind of unpack it and see what it's meaning saying to us here. The Lord is my light. The, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Now, that's a good opening sentence right there, opening statement right there. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Do you realize that God is indeed your salvation? He's the light. He shines the light into the darkness of your life. If you've got things going on in your life that are particularly troublesome, it's darkness there. You feel dark inside because you're worried and you're anxious about things that are going on. Well, the Lord is your light and he's your salvation. Okay, don't forget, Jesus Christ went to the cross and died for our sins, you know, and, and, and gave us salvation. He saved us. So if you're a born-again believer, then you're indeed saved. So whom shall I fear? Okay. If you know that the Lord is your light and he's your salvation, then who is it you should be afraid of? Who or what? You know, what person or what circumstances should you be afraid of? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Again, the Lord is the strength. This is where your strength comes from. When you're feeling tired and weak and you're just totally befuddled, you don't know what to do, God can give you that strength. He can strengthen you. You know, there's no reason to be afraid. When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. So if you have people that are coming against you, you know, and many of us in the workplace, I remember when I was in the workplace, they, yeah, there were people that, you know, not that I was such a bad guy, I don't think, but you, you naturally, in the time of life and over time, you know, you, you develop people that are against you, for, against you for whatever reasons. The same thing can be when you're happening in, in, in school there. You know, you can have people that are against you for whatever reasons. You know, maybe they just don't like you because you're wearing a green tie or whatever ridiculous thing is. But but you, you do not have to worry about them. The wicked, even mine enemies and my foes came upon me, eat up my flesh. They stumbled and fell. So in other words, those that are in opposition to you, those that may be giving you a hard time, they will stumble and fall too. They'll stumble and fall. Okay, don't worry about them. Let God fight your battles, all right? They stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident, okay? So again, if you have people that are coming against you for whatever the reasons might be, don't worry about it. God will indeed take care of it. And those people that are in opposition, in due time, they will indeed fall. You just keep the strength and keep the faith and keep the trust in God, okay? We can wait on the Lord, through prayer. That's another way. This is another action. Okay, again, I started out by saying waiting kind of makes us think, well, we just sit back and kind of sit on a park bench and feed the pigeons, you know, while we're waiting on God. Waiting on God is far from being being passive. It's an active, it's an active thing, waiting. We can wait on the Lord through prayer, as David did in eager expectation of deliverance. If we continue with Psalm uh, 27, 4, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, for in the time of trouble, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. All right. So here we see that we know that we can dwell 
We can dwell in the house in the safety of the Lord. One thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Again, you've heard me say before that the word dwell means this is where you live. Okay, this is not a visit. You know, this is not just a, a passing through, a passing by. This is where, where you live, dwelling, you know. Uh, you dwell in your house, in your home. That's where you dwell. You go to your cousin's house. You go to your mother-in-law's house or whatever to spend the weekend. You know, you're going there for a visit. You know, you, you, we don't visit God. We try to dwell with him. We live there. And God wants us to live with him. Okay, he wants us to be to, to, to be in his house, in his home, so to speak, at all times, because this is where our safety is. I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. Okay, okay. again, a pavilion is a structure. It's a place of safety in this particular case. In the time of trouble, you can run to God, and you know that if you're living with God, if this is where your habitation is, um, that, that you'll be safe there, okay? And God will hide you there. Hide you from whom? From the enemy, from the enemy. And the enemy is that everything that's going against you in your life, that spirit of fear. It could be a spirit of infirmity, a, a spirit of lack. Maybe your finances are, 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 um, are suffering, okay? But you run to the Lord, and you dwell with him, and you hide in his pavilion in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me he shall set me upon a rock all right okay now tabernacle was also in biblical days it was was basically a tent you know it was a place a housing if you will all right so this is where you know that you can run to god all right and and you know when i when i feel burdened and things are really um, I'm not going well. And again, like I said, it happens to me also. Um, uh, I, I, I kind of envision myself, Lord, here I come. I mean, I'm here. I'm here with you. I'm here with you. I, hide me from all that's going on. It's hiding you from the enemy. That That's the devil, you know, trying to seek you out to just dump more, more troubles on you. You know, just give me your peace, Lord. Let me just dwell in your safety. And it says that God will put you upon a rock where you'll be, be safe and, and, and sound from whatever is going on in your life. Okay. And we see here that in reading that, if we continue on here with verse number seven, um, hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou said, seek you my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Are you seeking after God in all that's going on in your life? Are you really seeking after God? Okay, God says, draw near to me, and I will indeed draw near to you. All right? And it goes on to say, hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not. Neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Mine enemies, again, is anything that's coming against you. It's any demonic force that's, that's, that's uh, you know, again, attacking your finances, uh, attacking your health, attacking your family, attacking relationships, you know, those that you love around you. You know, these are attacks of the enemy because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me and such as breathe out cruelty. 
Now, I recall there was a time in the workplace there I had some issues going on and there were some false witnesses um, out there. And Psalm 27, I read Psalm 35 is another um, good psalm to read. But this, you have to realize that there are indeed, there will be people that will come against you because of the fact that you're a child of God. And many times they themselves, the human being, does not realize that you're a child of God. But those spirits of darkness that are around them, they recognize who you are. And so there will be times that you'll have people coming against you. All right? But you don't have to worry about about it. You run to God, hide in his safe place. You're dwelling in him. Seek his face, seek his voice, and take it right to him and rest assured that he will indeed deal with it and he will give you peace. Verse 13 says, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And then 14, the last verse says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. Wait, I say on the Lord. Those who wait on the Lord can fully expect him to fulfill their hope. Psalm 25, 3 says, Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. Amen. None who wait to you shall be put to shame. Waiting on the Lord involves the confident expectation of a positive, of a positive result. Okay. Waiting on the Lord, let me say that again, involves the confident expectation of a positive result. This expectation is based on knowledge of and trust in God. Right? So you see that there's that element of trust there is there again, having trust in God. All right? This enables you to wait if you're simply able to trust him. Those who do not know the Lord will not wait on him. Simple, simple fact. Those who do not know the Lord will not wait on him. Neither will those who fail to trust him. All right? If you don't trust God, then it's going to be very, very difficult for you to wait on him. And certainly if you don't know the Lord, then of course you certainly can't wait on him because you don't know him. You don't know him. So we have to get to know who God is. We have to believe that God is indeed who he says he is. Believe not only believe that he exists, but believe that he is exactly who he says he is through his word, via his word. Those who do not know the Lord will not wait on him. Neither will those who fail to trust him. Okay? If you don't, can't trust God, it's going to be impossible for you to wait on him. If we go to John five fourteen. John 5, 14. I'm sorry, 1 John 5, 14. My mistake. 1 John 5, 14. We see that it says, And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. All right. Okay. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, that he hears us, that he hears us. All right. So now you have to realize that if you're asking anything in line with God's word, then he, he hears you, you know, and he's going to come to the rescue. He'll grant what is being given if you're asking in line with his will. Right now, obviously, you know, I mean, you're not saying that you're, you're asking God to help you to go out and rob a bank. Let's say, you know, that's not according with God to God's will that, that you should go out there stealing and everything like that. So you, you're not going to be going in that direction. But if you're asking something that God has already promised in his word to deliver you from something, to provide something, to to enlighten you in some area, then that's in accordance with, with God's will because he wants to enlighten you. God wants to provide. So therefore, you have this confidence or this trust that we have in him that if we ask any 
anything according to his will and know that he hears you. And if he hears you, know that if he hears you, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. All right. So we see here again that having that trust in God and knowing who he is is so important. Those who wait on the Lord do not lose heart in their prayers. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So again, that confidence is important. You can't say you're waiting on God and you don't have confidence in him. Okay, if you're waiting for someone to show up to pick your family member to come pick you up, then you have to have the confidence that that person is going to show up at your door to pick you up, you know, as you agree to. So you've got to have that confidence in God to know that he's there and that he wants to help and that he's going to answer whatever it is that you're praying for or whatever it is that you're dealing with. So you wait on the Lord. You, 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 you have to, to not lose, uh, lose, lose hope in, in, in praying in praying to God and knowing that he indeed is going to help you. Waiting on the Lord renews our strength. And if we go to Isaiah 40, 28, that's another beautiful thing about waiting on God, too, because while you're waiting, your strength will be renewed. Let's go to Isaiah 40, Isaiah 40, verse 28. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, faints not? Neither is he weary. The God that we have is not weary. God is out. He does not faint. He does not give up. All right. Haven't you heard that? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, faints not. Neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the faint. He gives power to the faint. If you're feeling weak because of what's going on in your, in your house or in your job or in your school or whatever's going on in your life, and when you're saying faint, that does not necessarily mean that you're faint to the point of passing out, losing consciousness. But if you're feeling weak because you're so tired, you know, you're so downtrodden, or you know, it, your heart is heavy from what's going on in your life and you're just so worried, all right? Okay? Faint is not neither is where there's no certainty. He gives power to the faint and to them that have no might, he increases strength. To them that have no might, he increases strength. You may feel like you're powerless right now against something. You may feel there's something going on in your life that you're powerless against, that you just don't have the wherewithal, you don't know how to defeat it. You have the person or thing or situation that's against you. It's just totally overwhelming you, and you feel powerless, all right? To them that have no might, he increases your strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fail. But they that wait, there it is, underline that word wait, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Okay? So the key there is waiting on God. Okay? And I know the thing that I was praying for when the Lord told me to wait on me. That certainly, it gave energy to me. It gave energy to me. It reminded me that God is on the case and to just simply wait on him. There's nothing that I had to do. If there is something that you need to, to do, God will certainly tell you while you're waiting. But in the meantime, you just wait on him. And the mere fact that you you just surrender and you say, yes, Lord, I have confidence that you'll bring me through. I'm going to wait on you. That will take such a burden off your shoulders that this is where your strength will come from. Right? And you'll no longer feel discouraged. You'll no longer feel worried. You'll no longer feel like you're just dragging your feet. You can barely get out of bed. You can barely get in the car or on the train or the bus to go to work or school or wherever. And you're just so tired and so demoralized, okay? You, you, you make up in your mind. 
and in your heart, in your spirit, that I'm going to wait on you, Lord. I'm going to wait on you. You'll find that your strength will be renewed. Okay. And why? Because God said it would. God would not have these words penned. God would not have had these words written if he didn't mean it. So beautiful insight here in this 31, verse 31, underline it, highlight it, mark it. But they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Mount up with wings as eagles. You ever see an eagle fly? I don't even say fly, I say soar. You ever see an eagle soar? Here in the Pacific Northwest, you know, we see eagles, you know. And an eagle, unlike a, uh, a barnyard chicken, for instance, running around in, in the uh, yard, a chicken yard, or whatever you call it, the chicken area where chickens are, chickens kind of flap feverishly, frantically. They kind of flap and get a, a few feet off the ground, maybe, or whatever, and that's about it. You know, they, they just flap, 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 putting out a lot of effort. An eagle soars. An eagle gives one or two graceful motions of his wings, and he soars on the, 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 the upward draft of the air. He just soars. He doesn't, he, he doesn't uh, go through a lot of energy. He doesn't use a lot of energy to soar. So he says there that you shall mount up with wings as eagles. That means that on the hot, turbulent currents of life that may be going on with you right now, God will, if you wait on him, that you shall be like an eagle and you shall soar on those currents which will leave you above, take you above the troubles of your life. You'll soar above them because you will not be bogged down by those troubles. If you wait on God, he'll lift you up, if you will, and you too will soar. You'll soar in spite of what's going on in your life. Those things that are trying to drag you down, trying to, to drag you down and pin you to the earth, pin you to the ground. Wait on God and you'll soar. You'll soar. If you simply wait on him, they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. In other words, you'll walk through this thing and you will not get tired. You will not be to the point that you want to give up. You will not be where you want to give up. You know. So God here is telling us so many, so many wonderful things here for us to, to think about here and, and to pray on and to remember when we start feeling stressed out. If we go to Psalm 40, Go to Psalm 40, praise the living God. Psalm 40, verse number one. I waited patiently for the Lord. There's the word waited again, underline the word waited. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. Okay, so you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting, and you're crying out to God. Okay, and he heard, he hears your cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. And he put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear, and shall trust in the Lord. Many shall see it and fear, and trust in the Lord. Right. So the psalmist here is saying here that. David is saying, I waited patiently for the Lord. Again, this is waiting, wait, waiting with patience. It's not always easy, but you have to make up your mind and realize and trust God and know that he's working on your behalf. So I waited patiently on the Lord and he heard my cry. 
He brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. That horrible pit is what we are in when we've got troubles, when we've got things that are bogging us down. It's like being in, in, a, in, a, in, in a pit, you know, out of the miry clay, like you've got clay around your feet and you just can't move through life. You know, walking around and getting through your day is like dragging your feet. You know, and you've heard the expression, gee, was, well, you know, stop dragging your feet, son. You got to go to school. You got to go to school. You know, and, and you feel bogged down. It's like your, your feet are just heavy. You know, and it says that he put me upon a rock, okay, and established my going. In other words, he gave me direction. You start waiting on God, waiting on God, waiting patiently on God, and you'll find that he will lift you up out of that problem that you have, and he'll set your direction. He will tell you exactly what it is that you need to do, all right? That's why I told the Lord after this thing, I said, Lord, if there's anything that you want me to do, anything you want me to say, then then let me know what it is you want me to do, and I'll gladly do it. But in the meantime, Lord, I'm just going to wait patiently on you. And at that point in time, I, I was lifted up. I, just, I knew that I did not have to struggle with this thing myself. Right? And he went on to give direction in terms of what it was that I needed to do. So the word of God here is so accurate and so true, if you believe and if you trust in God. Put a new song in my mouth. In other words, you'll feel joyful. You'll feel joyful. Once you've been lifted up out of that thing and you realize that God is working for you there and you don't have to worry about it and that you're trusting in him and you've got that confident, confidence and you'll have a new song in your mouth. You'll be, you'll, you'll be joyful, in other words. All right? It says, many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. As the scripture says, waiting on the Lord is also a testimony to others who will see your faith. And as a result, put their trust in God. Yeah. And maybe you've had someone, you know, say to you, you know, gee whiz, I never see you get flustered. All that's going on. Uh, I remember one time I was working in an organization here and, and uh, the budget and funding and thing, the economy was getting bad. And this was <laughs> way before this time, not this economy. This was many, 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 many years ago. And there were people that were being laid off and uh, uh, they went out to lunch and came back from lunch and found, you know, the proverbial pink slip on their desk saying that they were literally, you know, going to let go. This afternoon was the last afternoon or whatever, you know, and they turned to me. I, I didn't receive one. They turned to me, aren't you worried about this? And I said, no, I'm not. I'm not worried about it at all. Why? I said, I, I trust God. I trust God. What do you mean you trust God? I said, well, if you want to go out for coffee or something like that, I'll tell you why. And I was able to share with them why it was that I trusted God. Okay. And people learn to see that many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. All right. And so in other words, I was telling them, if you want to have this peace, you need to know the Lord, as simple as that, because God will always take take care of you. All right. You see, so so we set examples for others that are around us. We can set an example for someone else that is around you that is having a troublesome time in life. Maybe they have some problems that they're burdened with. Uh, you know, maybe they have issues similar to your issues. I mean, you, you never can tell. But if you share with them what you know about the Lord and how the Lord is, is, is helping you and, and, and holding you up and ministering to you, then they will see your faith. And they will see how you are trusting God. And then they, too, will learn to know God and to start trusting in him. Okay? You, see, you see, so what we do is very, very important. We are ambassadors for Christ, if you will. The world looks at you and they see how you manage stress. The world looks at you and they see how you manage and handle anxiety. The world looks at you and see how you manage your worries. And what you want people to do is to be be questioning and to ask you, to come and ask you, how is it that you do this? 
so that then you, in turn, as Holy Spirit, so guide, so you can share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. This is how this works. God not only wants to help you, but he wants to help you to be a mighty witness for him. Because through our actions in life, this is how God gets glorified. Okay. And if we're groveling and if we're worrying and we're walking around the office or the school or the neighborhood or whatever with stooped shoulders, we're all bent over from worry. That's not glorifying God. Because believe it or not, you know, they'll know, you know, especially if they know you're a Christian with Jesus. I thought they were supposed to be a Christian. Why is he worrying around? Why is he so worried? Why this? Why this? Why that? Why that? So what kind of a witness? You're not glorifying God like that. So we need to make sure that we are letting God guide us so that we can be victorious and then in turn guide others and lead others to the Lord. Amen. Let's go to Isaiah 64. Isaiah 64, Isaiah 64, verse number 4, 64, verse number 4, for since the beginning of the world, men have not heard, nor perceived by the ear, neither hath seen, has the eye seen, O God beside thee, what he has that prepared him that waiteth for him. Okay? You read that through again. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard, nor perceived by the ear, neither has the eye seen, O God, beside thee, what he hath prepared for him that waits for him. So again, no one has seen, no one can even perceive to, to understand the things that God has in store for those that wait on him. Right? Simple as that. Waiting on the Lord brings God's blessings. Simple as that. Simply put, waiting on the Lord brings God's blessings. If you can get to the point where you just refuse to carry burdens on anything like that and you've given it to God and you just continue waiting on him, confident in knowing that he's going to come through for you, this is how you'll be blessed. Sometimes we might feel as though the Lord does not see or hear us, that he's not answering our prayers. Sometimes we feel like that. But during these moments, we can put our complete faith and trust in the living God. Just because you think he's not there doesn't mean that he isn't there. He is there. He is there. This is what faith is all about, actually, when you think about it. We don't see God, I mean, as as a being standing right in front of us. We don't, we don't see Jesus. We don't see Holy Spirit. Okay. But in faith, you know that he is because his word says that he is. Because his word says that he's there for you. So by faith, whether you see him or feel him or experience him, you know, we have to wait on him and know that he's indeed there. We can wait on the Lord in eager anticipation, knowing that he is with us and in control of our lives. He will do what he has promised. He will do what he has promised. Whatever God has said, he will indeed do. He will rescue and he will save us. He is always working for our good, even when we don't feel him. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 28. Okay. You love the Lord. He's going to work for good in your life. So though, you know, through patience, being courageous and active, trusting and seeking in prayer, we can learn to wait on the Lord simply by acting and trusting in him. And the other thing that we can do is we we wait on the Lord. The other action to show that waiting is not just a a passive uh, 
experience or a passive event waiting on God. We can wait on the Lord by seeking him. That's very important. Wait on the Lord by seeking him. Psalm 60, Psalm 27, verse 4, to go back there again. Go back to Psalm 27, verse 4. Psalm 27, verse number 4. says one thing i have one thing i have one thing have i desired of the lord that will i seek after that i may dwell in the house of the lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the lord and to inquire in his temple david conveyed his trust in the lord by longing to be with him to commune in god's presence and to worship in his temple okay so this is this is part of seeking him again because you're saying that, that I have, I desire the Lord and that I will seek after one thing I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. In God's dwelling place, praising and worshiping the Lord, David left safe, felt safe and secure. So seeking God as a part of waiting is very, very important. And why is that so important? Well, Jesus tells us in John 17, verse three, and this is life eternal that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Here, Jesus is telling us that our continuing to seek God, desiring to know him more, is the essence of true life. It's the essence of eternal life, continuing to seek God. That's what true life is all about. You see, and we, the, the, most important, the most important thoughts our minds can entertain are thoughts of God, because they will determine the quality and direction of our lives. Seeking God, then, is an ongoing responsibility and privilege for all Christians. It's a privilege that we have, the ability to be able to seek God. You know, the evolutionists would try to say that we are descended from, um, you know, from apes and all that stuff and how, you know, man evolved and all this sort of thing. And and we're just uh, an extension of animals and and, an ape and so on like that. You know, one thing that sets the human being, you know, there is no missing link. There is no missing link. There is no being that is the link between an ape and man. Okay. And one thing that sets man apart from all, all animals Okay, an ape, a chimpanzee, they're intelligent, they can be taught to do sign language and things like that. But an ape, an ape cannot, cannot, cannot be aware of God, nor can he pray. Okay, an ape cannot be conscious of God and desire to reach out and seek him. This is a privilege that we have. We have a a privilege of being able to, um, to reach out to, to talk to, to communicate with, to be in the presence of God and to be aware of his presence. An animal can't do that. This is a unique experience. This is a unique privilege that God has given us, and especially for us Christians. Seeking God, then, is an ongoing responsibility and privilege of all Christians. Christians, But we also know that seeking God is not always an easy thing to do, not because God is hard to find, but because our minds are saturated and polluted with the misconceptions and deceits planted by Satan and reinforced by the world that is around us. We get so much negativity today. We get so much people, people are, are trying to become God by saying that they can, they can change their sex, for instance, or they can do this and do that and so on. You know, and this is man trying to play God because, uh, you know, the way God, how you were birthed and born, it's a matter of DNA. You know, it's a matter of how you were created. You can change the outside all you want. You can put on different clothing, but you are still what or who you were born as. As simple as that. 
So we have all of these, you know, things that come in that try to pervert our thinking and whatnot. And sometimes, uh, you, you know, we find it difficult to seek God because we, we wind up getting misguided if we're not careful. All right. So we have to remember, remember that God is who he said he is and that everything that he says is indeed true. So seeking God sometimes may seem difficult to you because of all of the stuff that's going into your mind. But you got to block that stuff out and remember that God is indeed, again, who he said he is. The good news is that these mistaken beliefs are done away with through coming to know God and growing in our relationship with him. You know, you feel confused about things that are going on in the world today, the, you know, the ups and downs and the lies and the, the, the deceits, the, the, you know, deception that's out there. And you run to God and seek him and he'll set your mind straight. God will set your mind straight. You know, you pray to him, commune with him. He will tell you the truth. He will tell you the truth. And I always say to you, you, you know, you got Holy Spirit that's in you. You have Holy Spirit, you know, watch people and what they're saying. Holy Spirit will give you that discernment to see where uh, where an untruth, where a lie is being told, where it just doesn't make sense what the person is saying. And we see that out there so much today, you know, you see, see it on, on TV, or, or on social media. You know, I always say social media, fine, you want to stay in touch with family, you want to share photographs and you want to say hi to a distant relative you haven't talked to, that's fine, do that. But when people start getting on there and start trying to, to, to be purveyors of, quote unquote, what they say is truth, Holy Spirit will reveal to you that is not true. That is not true. That is not true. You'll know that. You'll know it. And you won't. That way you don't get caught up and swept along with the crowd and start believing things that are false. Simple as that. There's so much deception that is out there today. So through seeking God, through seeking God, through seeking God always, we can be made sure that we're not going to be deceived. That's what, that's what I'm trying to say. And that's so important because if you're being deceived, then that's going to make it doubly hard for you to simply wait on God because then you're going to start believing that waiting on God is a fallacy also. That's wrong. Okay, okay. I am a man, therefore I'm in charge of my own destiny. I can do this and I can do that. Okay, and that's where the common, that's the common thread that is running through so much of the lies, so many of the lies that are being sown today. Man is trying to make himself uh, equal with God. Man is trying to make himself equal with God, and that's a major deception. And if you wind up doing that, then there's no way that you can seek him. No way you can have faith and no way you can have trust and wait on him for what is happening in your lives. Okay? So again, the good news is that these mistaken beliefs that are out there are done away with through coming to know God and growing in our relationship with him. That's the good news. And it starts when we turn to him for salvation. That's the first thing. Turn to God for salvation. If you're not born again yet, you don't know Jesus, ask him into your life. You know, simply say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. You know, I can't do this all alone. I've tried and I've tried and I've messed it up. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. I believe and I know that you are indeed the son of the living God. And I believe that in my heart. I know that you died for my sins. And I believe that in my heart, Lord Jesus, come into my life and just simply take control. I repent of all that I've done. I turn away from that. Matt, I rebuke and I reject all that I've done in the past, Lord Jesus. Make me anew. Okay? Come into my life, Lord Jesus. There's nothing fancy. The word of God says if you believe that he is the son of God and you confess to him, that you'll be saved. The word of God says that. Okay, so all you need to do. So that's the first step. The first step is simply turning to him to salvation. Then we put our trust, put our trust in Jesus Christ. When we're saved, 
we receive the indwelling Holy Spirit who helps us to know God and even transforms our hearts to want to seek him. You have Holy Spirit that's in you, you'll have this desire to seek him. You know, it's, it's, it's so nice. You wake up in the morning and, you know, you think about, you know, maybe I got this to do today, I got this. You're born again believing you have God in your life. The first thing when you wake up is you think about God. Don't ask me how that happens, but you think about God. That's all. Okay. And, and you, you may lay there and you may say your prayers in bed, or maybe you'll say a brief prayer before you get up to go and spend more in-depth time with God. But God is on your mind when you wake up. First of all, you should wake up. You should be thanking God that you found another day. You have another day of life that you did indeed wake up. Many people go to sleep at night and don't wake up. So thank God and praise the Lord that you indeed woke, woke up, you know, you know, and, and bless him for it. So have God on your mind, have God on your mind, on your mind. Okay. You receive the indwelling Holy Spirit and therefore you want to seek him. You want to spend time with him. We learn the truth about God and we seek him through reading his word, which is the Bible. We seek God also through prayer and times of worship. We seek God both individually and corporately. Corporately is when we go to church, spending time with other believers in Jesus who are also seeking God is very important to help us to continue to seek him. Surround yourself by other, other believers, by people who go to church, you know, other believers who are also seeking God. You'll find something in common there. You'll be able to draw on each other's strengths while both of you, corporately, all of you, are drawing on the strength of God. Amen? Amen. So all of this seeking is very, very important. So we seek him both individually and corporately. If we go to Second Chronicles 15, verse 1, Second Chronicles Oops. Let me go back here. Second Chronicles fifteen, verse one. And the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the the son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa, and said unto him, Hear me ye, hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you be with him. If you seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Now for a long season, both Israel, uh, Israel had been without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law. But when they made, when they in their trouble did turn unto the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found of them. He was found of them. But when they in their trouble did turn unto the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found in them. So here we see there, it says that if you seek him in verse two, if you seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake God, he will forsake, forsake you. Again, so we see the importance here of seeking God. Their instructions were simple. When they sincerely sought God, things went well. But when their desire to seek him waned and disappeared and went away and eventually ceased altogether, their world came apart. Seek God, you'll be well off. Don't seek him, then your world's going to come apart. Sin increased, morality declined, and contact with God ceased. This is what we see going on today. Many people are not seeking God anymore. Many people. And this is why the nation, where you live, your province, your state, your community, that's why many things around us are going to pop because people, many people are not seeking God anymore. You don't seek him, he'll, he'll forsake you. So we need to come back to him. We need to start seeking God again. 
We as individuals, we corporately, we as countries, we as nations, we as provinces, states, cities, we need to start seeking God again. And then all of the bad stuff that's out there will start going away. All of the crime industry, these ridiculous rules and laws and things that we're seeing that are popping up that are, are, are not helping us, especially not us Christians, are not beneficial to life as a Christian. Right? But we need to start seeking God again. You don't seek him and this is what happens. God will forsake us and eventually all things start going down. Okay? Sin increased, morality declined, and the contact with God ceased. See, so we have to make sure that we continue seeking him. The cautions to the children of God in that scripture there at that time are clear to us today. If you seek him, he'll be found by you. This profound principle is repeated throughout scripture. You see it in Deuteronomy, you see it in Jeremiah, Matthew, you know, Acts and, and James. Seek him, he'll be found of you. The idea is that when we draw near to God, he reveals himself. You draw near to God, he reveals himself. God does not hide himself from the seeking heart. If you're seeking him, he will not hide from you. He will indeed be made known to you. He will reveal himself. So in closing, I just say to you again, patient, confident trust in the Lord is the central idea of this urging to wait on the Lord. Actually, it's a command. God says, wait on the Lord. He's telling us to wait on him. We can wait on the Lord in eager anticipation, knowing that he is with us and in control of our lives. He will do what he promised. He will do what he promised. He will rescue and save us. He is always working for our good, even when we don't feel him. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. Through patient, courageous, active trusting, we can seek in prayer. We can learn to wait on the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Hope this message was a blessing to you. In the name of Jesus, let us close. In the name of Jesus, we thank you so much for this time that we've had with you, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, please help us to remember these words, O Lord God, in the mighty name of Jesus. And let us be always willing to wait on you and to seek your face. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.